The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. You're listening to the VPM Daily Newscast, a recap of today's top stories in Central Virginia. From the VPM Newsroom in Richmond, I'm Benjamin Dolly. Former members of the Charlottesville Commission tasked with re-envisioning the city's controversial Confederate monuments are asking the city council to immediately cover them pending their removal. The Charlottesville City Council launched the Blue Ribbon Commission in 2016. Most members recommended keeping the statues in place but adding context to tell a fuller story. The council ultimately voted in 2017 to relocate the Robert E. Lee statue. The deadly Unite the Right rally followed in August. Last month, the Supreme Court of Virginia sided with the city, clearing the way for the statue's removal. A task force working on creating a civilian review board in Richmond for police misconduct is looking for public input. As Roberta Roldan reports, the group plans to hold a series of town halls in the coming months. The task force began meeting in March. They've since put together a budget and outlined how the Civilian Review Board might function. Their proposal is expansive. They want a paid director, stipends for board members, and independent investigators. But none of that is set in stone. Eric Nielsen is a professor at the University of Richmond and a member of the task force. He says the feedback will inform their final recommendations. There are over a hundred of civilian review boards or whatever they're called, but these oversight bodies across the country. What we are grappling with now is what should this look like for Richmond? The task force is expected to submit a final report to Richmond City Council this summer. They're planning to hold in-person town halls in South Richmond and another virtual event in June. Roberto Roldan, VPM News. Richmond Public Schools will be holding in-person graduations this spring thanks to a drop in COVID-19 cases and an increase in vaccination rates. The ceremonies will be held outdoors in mid-June. Exact dates and venues are still being determined. Mask requirements, social distancing, temperature checks, and other health precautions will be in place. A live broadcast will be available for families who prefer to celebrate remotely. After months of marching on campus, adjunct professors at Virginia Commonwealth University formed a union last week. Days later, the university introduced a new policy for how workers are classified. Alan Rodriguez-Espinoza breaks down the changes. VCU President Michael Rao is moving to limit the number of credits an adjunct can teach to six per semester, down from nine. Any adjunct who teaches more than six will become eligible for full-time benefits. While the new policy won't be fully implemented until next year, Rao is calling on departments to informally begin following it immediately. VCU says this would be a positive change in response to adjuncts' demands, but they say they see it as retaliation for forming a union and want the university to pause immediately. They say VCU is rushing the new policy without seeking adjuncts' input. In an email, VCU reaffirmed its stance that adjunct positions are meant to be part-time and non-tenure track. Alan Rodriguez-Espinosa, VPM News. City of Richmond and state officials announced a partnership today with Aditex Therapeutics. Governor Ralph Northam spoke about the collaboration, which is set to start later this year. It represents more than 300 new well-paid jobs, allows this world-class company to help us better understand our own immune systems and boost the greater Richmond region's position as a life sciences hub. 
The technology Aditext has developed can monitor individuals' immune systems to find what people are susceptible to, including COVID-19. Today's is the second biotech jobs announcement the city has made in as many weeks. Earlier this year, a federal judge granted the Trump administration's request to dismiss Attorney General Mark Herring's lawsuit to recognize the Equal Rights Amendment. On Monday, Herring, along with attorneys general in Nevada and Illinois, announced they're appealing that decision. ERA supporters say the amendment took effect in January 2020 when Virginia became the 38th and final state needed to ratify it. Opponents say the deadline to add the amendment to the U.S. Constitution has long passed. For more than half a century, before it became the state's first museum devoted to science, the building at 2500 West Broad Street in Richmond was a transportation hub. In the first of three stories about state agencies, including the Science Museum of Virginia, Yasmin Juma explores the history of Broad Street Station and some of the ways its past informs its present. Doric columns carved from Indiana limestone stand like sentinels guarding the building's heavy brass doors. On top of it all sits a Roman dome, its most distinctive feature. It was the first use of a dome on a major railroad station. That's Calder Loth, formerly the senior architectural historian for the Virginia Department of Historic Resources. He says the planners of many major buildings echoed classical styles at the turn of the 20th century. They were adapting motifs of ancient Roman temples to give a dignity of appearance to civic amenities such as this or celebrating transportation. But that was a trend in the country. Our railroad stations were often great points of pride for cities. The station opened to passengers in the winter of 1919, as the southern terminus of the Richmond, Fredericksburg, and Potomac Railroad. Train buffs call it one of America's last remaining great terminals. Calder Loth calls it beautiful. You build a heroic-looking building like that to create a stately entrance to your city. Another domed landmark, the Jefferson Memorial, and the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C., are other works in the portfolio of John Russell Pope, the architect of Broad Street Station. You go into that great lofty space there, it's thrilling. You feel like you're in a special place, and it makes you feel like a special person to be there. Unless you are black, racial segregation is in the station's blueprints. You had to enter the segregated entrance, which took you to the black waiting room and the black restrooms. Dr. William Ferguson Reed is in his mid-90s. This Richmond native is a civil rights activist, retired physician, and veteran politician. He and his family used the station when he was young. So we did have to enter from the side and not from the main front of the building. Broad Street Station was built, so white and black passengers couldn't mingle. Its ticket office separated the different areas. Reed remembers the way that felt. It was resentful that we had to wait until all of the white customers were taken care of before they took care of the black customers. I'm outside the station looking at where the tracks used to run. There's only a small stretch of them left. White passengers used to board trains from the main concourse. Black passengers like Reed had to exit the building and walk around back to get on board. It took a little time to get used to it and to get confidence that uh, you would not be embarrassed by some people who resented your being in places. For about 40 years, Until the final 14 of its original use, the train station stayed segregated. By the early 70s, ridership dropped. Loth, the architectural historian, says the station's location worked for passengers. 
but not for trains that had to detour about a mile from their main routes to reach it. Broad Street Station shut down in 1975. When Amtrak abandoned Broad Street Station. Many people realized that this was a great architectural landmark in the civic community, so philanthropists and others worked with the state to have the state acquire it and adapt it very sympathetically as the Science Museum. Three years after the last passenger train rolled away, the Science Museum of Virginia opened its doors to the public. A year later, Governor Mills Godwin unveiled its first permanent exhibit gallery, the Discovery Room in what used to be the Black Passengers' waiting area. The Science Museum has expanded over the years, mostly to accommodate the demand for large gatherings and events in the area, including weddings and galas. During the COVID-19 pandemic, state senators met there safely distanced for General Assembly sessions. Still, the museum acknowledges its origins as a train station. In January 2019, it hosted celebrations of Broad Street Station's centennial, a black tie event, a special exhibit called All Aboard, and a countdown to the exact time the first train departed 102 years ago. Rich Conti is the Science Museum's chief wonder officer, its executive director. He says SMV featured information about the way the building was segregated by design in a 2012 exhibit about race. The centennial events, he adds, weren't about that. The focus was on the architecture of the building and it being a train station, but I had no reason to not talk about it or to talk about it. I guess I, at the time it didn't seem, didn't pop into my head. Historian Calder Loth suggests that leaders at the Science Museum of Virginia, an educational institution, may have missed a teachable moment as they marked a significant milestone. To what extent they are addressing the segregated history of that building. It certainly is evident on this original floor plan, but whether they're making anything of that, I, I don't know. And perhaps they should. Nowhere in the museum is there a permanent acknowledgement of the building's segregated past. When it was built, racial segregation was legal, customary, and commonly accepted among white people. While the laws have changed, the building remains. These days, it houses a state agency that says it's committed to serving everyone in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Next time, I'll examine several areas in which the Science Museum of Virginia could do better with representation, access, and fairness for people who aren't white, and how it's fallen short. Yasmin Jama, VPM News. Special thanks to WTVR News for archival sound from the Broad Street Station Centennial. This is VPM News. This newscast was recorded on Monday, May 3rd at 6 p.m. Some of these stories may have changed from the time you've heard them. You can stay connected to what matters by heading to vpm.org news or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at MyVPM. PM. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.